Hi, and you're very welcome to episode 15 of the League of Ireland show here on FinalWhistle.ie. My name is Brett Fairley, and once again, I am joined by former league winner, cup winner, Satanta Cup winner, Alan Keane of Sligo Rovers, Galway United, a bit of Dundalk thrown in there. We all know him as Kano. Kano, you're very welcome back to the show. It's great to be back, Brett it's been a little while since we've been talking to you because I suppose the mid-season break kicked in. You weren't with us last week either. Um, it's been an interesting couple of weeks since you were on the show last. Uh, some big surprises in terms of some of the results. Bohemians seem to hit have hit a, a rich vein of form over the weekend. We'll be talking about their games against Drogheda, their big win, uh, 5-0 on Friday night, and also their Dublin Derby success over the weekend, played on Monday night against Shamrock Rovers. So they're finding their way, creeping slowly up that league table, back to where people probably half expected them to be at the start of the season. They sit in fourth place at the moment. Um, your own beloved Sligo Rovers, uh, things haven't gone quite so well for them. It's been, uh, uh, they rescued a point, or the, they were they got a point in, in Derry. They were probably unlucky not to get all three in the end at the weekend. But it's been a, a strange season. A couple of the injuries, we talked about that, maybe about how they might struggle if that was to happen. We've seen Gary Buckley falling out of the team due to injury. Uh, Robbie McCourt broke his wrist. That was announced the other day. And now Shane Blaney took a knock, I know, in the game last night as well. So uh, some issues at centre-back maybe there as well for the club. They've dropped off the pace a little bit. Still only two points behind the leaders, though. Uh, we might uh, be chatting to Tim Clancy, one of the sides Drada have impressed uh, everyone this season, I think. Uh, we'll be talking to Tim Clancy later in the show as well. But we might start with a look uh, back at the weekend's action. Uh, where do you want to start on Friday night, Alan? Um, I suppose we'll have to look at, uh, we'll look at the Dundalk um, and Lodford game. As we said, it's Vinnie Perth is back at the helm. They finally sorted out the mess. Um, a bit of a strange uh, appointment. I thought that the mess might have been sorted, but apparently it was against Tim's wishes. And it was again Bill getting involved. Whether whether Vinny went to Bill and got him appointed, or because we all it came out in the papers that Jim wanted Dave Rogers. So it was just it, it just goes on. But look at they they got a draw against Longford and speaking of Longford, it was only uh, was it today? I I realised that they've only won the first game that they've won all season, or the only game they've won all season. Was the first game of the season against Derry uh, City? They have been competitive in a lot of those games, and they've lost two less than Waterford. It has to be said, but yeah, they have been winless since the opening game of the season, sixteen rounds ago. Now uh, that game on Friday evening, of course, played in Oriel Park, uh, Dundalk. Chris Shields. We'll talk about him in a few minutes as well. Uh, he equalised after Aaron McNally opened the scoring for Longford in that game. They have been there or thereabouts. They put up some really impressive performances against the likes of uh, Shamrock Rovers. Uh, they drew with Bohemians, obviously, in Daily Mount, and also Dundalk. So it's not beyond the realms of possibility for, for Longford to come out of these games with results. They just haven't been able to turn those wins into or draws into wins like Waterford have in recent weeks. No, most definitely. We we obviously had Dean on with us here uh, just at the mid during the mid season break, and they know they're not they're not silly. They know they're in a battle. But last night's result um, would have been a kick in the teeth of them because it is now between themselves and Waterford, and you would be hoping that Longford would be hoping that they get to the playoff spot. Um, look at as you said, uh, Finn Harps were flying it. Now they're being pull back into it, albeit they still have a couple of points to spare. And um, Longford, the, the funny thing about Longford is they can play the top teams and they can, they can give them such a game. But unfortunately, they don't have that quality to, 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 to nick the wins that they, you know, that they, they so need. And, um, you know, it, it's, I suppose it is frustrating for them. Um, I've seen them a lot this year. They're, they're a decent side. They, they Look at the, you can't fault their effort. Again, it just goes down to the, the lack of quality. Yeah, of course. If we move a little bit further along the the, the fixture list on Friday night, Pats and Sligo Rovers did battle in Richmond Park. Uh, it was a former a bit of red favourite who uh, undid them in the end. 2-0 the final score. Ronan Coughlin penalty in the last quarter of the game. But Matty Smith had kind of put 
pats ahead. Uh, well, he didn't kind of put them ahead. He kind of settled the game, really. Once they scored in the first 10 minutes, it never really looked like Sligo were going to get back into that game. Um, but Pats, 2-0 winners, top of the league. Stephen O'Donnell will be very, very happy with how it's gone so far. Yeah, look, Sligo Rovers since they came back after the break. Uh, look, I spoke to I spoke to a few about it. That they were doing really well before the break. Obviously, top of the table going into the break, and it just came at the wrong time. We spoke in the show numerous of times how good they've been, how they've been getting the results. But it was a big but. Small squad, few injuries. What can happen? And it just shows. Um, you know, they got the, the game, they came back after the break. They were totally outplayed by Drogheda. Uh, outfought, outplayed. Again, St. Pat's, you know, you know, went out 2-0, deserving winners. And then last night, a sucker punch, the late, late, conceding that late goal. Um, one point out of nine is not really, not really, uh, you know, challengers um, form. And Liam will be looking to put that straight. They still have, they have a difficult one coming up again on on, um, on Saturday night. So, um, you know, Pat's Stephen O'Donnell will be absolutely buzzing. Um, uh, they wouldn't have thought a couple of weeks back. I think was it a week or two before the break they started slipping further behind. It was six on points, and to turn it around and to be top of the table is phenomenal. And um, he's doing a great job up there. And I think they're there. They're there. Up around the top two, they've been the main challengers to chance this year, I think. Yeah, I can't see anybody but those two being in the top two. For the reasons we've talked about Sligo, I think Bose might have just left it a little bit too late. I still fancy Bose to challenge for that third place, but I think um, it's going to be Pats and Rovers, and it's going to be entertaining to see how that pans out over the next couple of weeks. Of course, uh, Bose in action themselves, we've touched on it. We're going to talk to Tim Clancy about it later on in the show in more detail. But uh, 5 nil winners, Georgie Kelly, uh, man of the moment, uh, he chipped in with no less than four goals. It's, I think, seven goals in three or four games for him. He had a hat-trick earlier in the year as well. So it's he's really hit a, a rich vein of form, which we haven't seen from him since he left UCD two or three years ago. No, we haven't. He was with Dundalk and obviously getting in and out. He was it was basically back up at Dundalk and then he moved to Pats. He had an all right spell at Pats uh, and then he's come to Bowes. He, I think at the start of the season, to be fair, Georgie got a bit of stick and uh, you know I'm I'm sure that people are, are reading the words today, but he he definitely he he always has it in him. He's always a quality player. Anytime I seen him at Dundalk at uh, UCD. Sometimes players just need to find the club that suits them. And, you know, once they get that confidence, especially strikers, and I think uh, Georgie found that. And it's remarkable, you know, four goals at, uh, on the Friday night and he he nicked one in the, in the derby last night. Yeah, and obviously for the record, uh, it was Liam Burt with the fifth goal for Bohemians on the night. He uh, neatly divided... Uh, uh, just at around half time, he neatly divided the, uh, the two strikes from Georgie Kelly in the first half and the two in the second half. So a nice balanced four goal haul for the Donegal man there. Waterford and Shamrock Rovers. Um, never likely to be a victory for Waterford in this instance, but when Shamrock Rovers come to town, you want to put up a good performance. Six minutes in, they got the dream start. Eric Malloy on the score sheet put them 1 0 up. But once Graham Burke scored after a quarter of an hour, it never really looked like it was going to be anybody but a win for Shamrock Rovers. It did take them a while to break them down, though. 4-1 winners in the end. The other goals coming from Rory Gaffney, Burke with a second, and Aaron Green. A game all wrapped up by the 70th minute. Um, Mark Burcham has had a very fairly positive effect on the side since he's come in there. Uh, they, they won against Longford on Monday night as well. We'll talk about that later on, too. But... But that game against Shamrock Rovers, it's a no-win for, for a club like Waterford in the situation they're in. They're never expected to get a, a result out of that. Um, so a, a good performance is all you're really looking for in that case, Alan, right? But that's it. Like, you, you know, a good performance and not get beat by by too much and, and do yourself some uh, justice. But look, as you said, Mark Burcham has come in. His target would be probably playoffs. Don't get relegated. And currently they're sitting in that position. Look, we spoke about Shamrock Rovers on the show numerous times. I think on the whole league, you're waiting for them to to explode and, and wake up and you know be the Shamrock Rovers that we know because the quality that they have within their side 
I still think they're only playing in, in second. You know, they, they can still go up another gear and a gear or two. And it just shows the strength that they have. And they're beating today that they're, they're looking at signing Anthony Stokes. Um, you know, that would be some signing for them. And I'm sure they'll probably make uh, one or two more signings over the over the summer. You know, with Richie Towell to come in as well. So, as we said, and I, I still stick to it, I, I still think that if they get into the groove, they'll probably win the league, which three, four or five games ago. And that's just because the strength and depth that they have. Yeah, I kind of tend to dis- to agree with you on that. I think Richie Towell, if he makes the impact that fans of the league know he can make, um, and if Anthony Stokes happened as well, it's probably the one thing they're missing is someone who knows exactly where the back of the net is for all the industry that Aaron Green has and the creativity and, and the opportunities that he's part of. He isn't a renowned finisher. He's not going to get you 15 or 20 goals a season. Um, although he he might come to ten, and um, he's just a little bit shy of the quality that that they have had over the years, whether it's Gary Twig or the likes in the last decade or so that you would have faced uh, when you're playing them. The other game on Friday night, of course, uh, finally was the Northwest Derby, Finn Harps and Derry City. Finn Harps, of course, had won historically for the first time in the Brandywell earlier in the season, but unfortunately that was reversed. From a Finn Harps point of view, at least, unfortunately, uh, it was 2 1. Uh, the Will Patching show two strikes from him, either side of an Ethan Boyle goal, uh, the fullback getting on the score sheet for Finn Harps. Um, what's this about fullbacks getting on the score sheet? It's happening week in, week out. Uh, you weren't quite so prolific, Alan, in your day uh, from fullback getting forward and getting the uh, strikes on goal, never mind goals. I'll have you know, Brefferty, I've scored 24 career goals. Right. Yeah, but you're ancient, so that's like one of the seasons or something. <laughs> and and I, I'm the European top goal scorer for Sligo Rover, so I'll have you know that. Um, I'll eat, I'll eat the full pot. It's on the cup over there. I just want to tell the grandkids. But come here, yeah, no, look at Finn Harps. We, we spoke again about the season break. We spoke to Ollie. They are, you know, they're on a little bit of a downward spiral at the minute. And, I was actually shocked when I looked at the table today and seen them third from bottom. When we were talking to Ali, they were, they were fifth, you know. So uh, it just shows that the league, how tough it is. I still think they, they won't get dragged into it. I still think they've, they've got enough. They've they've done enough. They'll pick up an odd uh, win here and there uh, in in a couple in the next couple of weeks, and I think they'll be okay. Uh, as regards Derry, Rory Higgins has, uh, you know, he's kept the, the run going and odd. With a late goal last night, um, I think it's eight. Is it eight undefeated and nine undefeated, which is which know, is very good uh, from Jerry's point of view. So yeah, so I think it's I think it's around that. But uh, a great job he's done since he's gone in there. And what I notice about Derry is it's that they've got a couple of late goals now that that never say die attitude. Whereas previously they would have just accepted that they were beat and that was it. And um, I think they go from strength to strength. The big question is, will they hold on to Will Patching? And I'm sure with Dundalk at the minute, they'll be looking for him back with the thoughts of Chris Shields maybe heading, uh, heading out of the out of the Orioles. So who wouldn't want Will Patching in their team at the minute? Well, let's talk about that because Will, Chris Shields has been announced, has played his last game for Dundalk. And it looks like on the 1st of July, we'll make the move north to, uh, to join Linfield. Um, subject obviously to a fee being agreed between the two sides but it almost seems like there's an error of inevitability about this broken the news maybe a week ago it's been on the rumour mill for a lot longer than that what's your own thoughts on it given the, the tumultuous situation in Dundalk at the moment uh, the little bit of a circus that's going on about who's in charge who's calling the shots um, it seems to change hourly never mind daily like is he right to jump ship is he really jumping ship or has the ship already kind of started filling with water? I wouldn't say, uh, Chris would say, I wouldn't put it down as jumping ship. He's looking out for himself and his family. And that's the, the harsh reality of it. He does live in Belfast. Now, going by Vinnie Pert's comments after the game uh, last night, I wouldn't be, if I was in Chris Shields' boots, I wouldn't have been, you know, oh, he definitely wants me to stay because... He was asked a question about Chris Shields. Yes, he did give him. He said he's one of the most decorated players. He's a quality player. He's he's our captain. But we also have good player, other players in, in our team, you know, that uh, can step into midfield. So I wasn't, I want you, I want you to stay. Rip up that contract, you know. I need you to stay. Um, so for me, I think 
going by that, it sounds like the deal is done and he's 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 off, which is going to be a massive loss, which will lead to probably, as we said there, Will Patching coming back from Derry, who will lose a quality player. Yeah, I suppose uh, that obviously the game, just for the record, uh, Michael Duffy was the scorer, but Dundalk beat Drogheda in the Louth Derby in Heading the Game Park on Monday evening. Uh, down in Richmond Park, St. Pat's with a home weekend, a doubleheader. Uh, they obviously beat Sligo Rovers Friday night. They had another visitor from the Northwest on Monday, and that was Finn Harps 4 1 the end. We're going to hear from Tim Clancy later about how that struggle is with the part time teams competing on weekday evenings. Um, with games back-to-back and, and how that's a struggle. Um, Ollie, I suppose, and his team would have found that themselves. 4-1, the final score for St. Patrick's Athletic. A decent weekend for them. Ollie, I suppose, you can't really be that disappointed, but they are starting to, as you say, mentioned, dropping down the uh, the league table a little bit. Yeah, and uh, as Ollie said, that third game in a week is, is difficult. That's, you know, Friday, Monday. It's difficult because when you have part-time players, um, they go to work on a, on a Saturday morning, um, whereas the full timers are in maybe swimming pool, getting massages, getting things. So on on St Pat's view, Stephen O'Donnell would be delighted with the with the weekend's work, and that just shows the golfing class. And if you're a betting man, you would have betted on Pat's because, as Ali said, and as Tim touched on it, it's so difficult for a part time setup. Lads go working during the day. Finn Hart's lads were probably working throughout the day. Had to probably finish it at whatever time. You know, twelve in the day or something ahead of Dublin. Um, whereas the St. Pat's lads will probably be in bed, you know. So wrestling. That's the diff that's the difference. People go on about what's the difference of part time and full time football. The full time football you get more rest. You're resting more. You come home from training. We're when we're full time here in, in Sligo, you come home from training one o'clock, half one. You you go to bed for the afternoon to rest up, you get up, have dinner, you're getting your foods in. Like playing part time go away. You're finishing work at five o'clock and you're rushing to train and and you're trying to grab food and you're grabbing, you know, quick sambos and stuff. So I presume it's the same, you know, it's the same in terms of of likes of Fen Harps and the likes of Drahadas and these these teams that are part time and it is difficult and you feel sorry for them, uh, especially with the games being crammed in. It's not really fair on them. It's just putting the the, the gap between the full time and the part time uh, a lot a lot bigger. Yeah, of course, it's always that uh, difficult. And and you're talking about the decisions you make around nutrition. You're making them out of necessity because it's the only option between work and, and thing, unless you have the, the, the whole thing prepared yourself. And when you've got full-time work and effectively full-time commitment to a football team, you don't really have the time to, to spend preparing that sort of stuff and, and, and making sure you have the ingredients in the house and, and organization, I suppose, comes into it. And the one thing we know about the age profile 20 to 23 or 4 year old lads that permeate through this league is they're not exactly the most organised people in the world if you're picking somebody. And there was a couple of other games played on Monday night of course as well. Waterford had a, a very important victory in Bishopsgate in Longford. 2-1 win there. Uh, it looked like Longford might uh, challenge. They equalised um, an early goal for Waterford but it wasn't to be and uh, it ended up Waterford taking all three points there. Um, it's going to be a tough, tough ask for Longford Despite only been four points behind Waterford now, where those four points are likely to come from, given that they've only had uh, one win and it's on the opening day of the season, can you see them catching Waterford? See, that's the thing. It's the confidence now is a massive thing when you're down there. Your four points, which you're talking, you need draw. You need Waterford to drop, you know, two games basically, and you win two games to get above them. And it's it's when you're down there and you're looking up. And you see, maybe Waterford might nick a, nick a draw here and there. The further and further you get away, it's the confidence. And unfortunately, you are down there for a reason. You win one game all season, so to date, you know, you, you deserve to be where you were. And uh, unfortunately, it's going to be a big thing now for Dara to get the, I suppose, the team to, to I suppose, believe that they can do it, believe they can get, as you said there, where are they going to get the win out of? I don't know. Um, last night was a massive, massive game for them. If they had won that last night, the confidence that would have, would have taken them further, and you're talking probably push water down further. But unfortunately, it has swung in the other direction, not, which is not good for for Longford. Yeah, absolutely. For the record, John Martin with the opening goal on 17 minutes. Aaron McNally an instant reply on 18 for Longford. 
before Eric Malloy settled it in the opening moments of the second half uh, with that winner. 2-1 win there for Longford Town. Uh, for Waterford, I should say. Apologies uh, for getting the hopes up. In terms of the other games, uh, we did, of course, uh, speak a little bit about the Sligo Rovers-Derry game. Won all the final score. Uh, Sligo scored probably against the run of play, but a great break and finish from Jordan Gibson. He's been amazing this season uh, before Jerry kind of nabbed it late towards the end. Yeah, um, Lee, Lee Buckley would be absolutely disappointed being, you know, conceding that conceding late on. You know, you needed that win for the confidence again. Now, you know, you would have been in the dressing room. Um, it, it, it's hard to explain, Breffney, but Derry City players probably within the dressing room elated that they got, they got an equaliser. Slide over players would have gone in deflated you know you're talking you're how many minutes away from 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 you know the dressing room being in a good good uh good vibes but um you know Jordan Gibson yeah you said he is on fire this year he scored some uh crucial goals I I seen him live uh again in the draw the game and I thought as we spoke to Tim um I thought he had the team set up well and didn't give Jordan Gibson a kick and I I just thought going forward that that's what most teams are going to do but you know, he has the quality. And again, I have to say, Ed McGinty, uh, even everyone talking about him again on, on Twitter, how he's pulled them out of the back, you know, a couple of times of good saves. And obviously, Johnny Kinney had a, had a miss toward the, you know, toward the end as well. So, um, look at a draw probably was a fair result, but Lee Buckley would be raging that they, they didn't stop the, I suppose, albeit they got a draw to stop the, the one point and nine. It's just, it's just not good enough. Yeah, when you talk about McGinty, uh, I was watching the game with a friend and I actually, he had turned his attention to a second screen that we were watching the, the European Championships on and I actually said, oh, what a goal! And then I was like, oh no, McGinty saved it and how often have we done that this season? And Patching had a shot uh, at one all with about two or three minutes left in the game and he put it right in the bottom corner. 90% of goalkeepers at any level in the game would not have kept that out. It was an absolute wonder strike. Mm. And then uh, all of a sudden, McGinty gets down, strong hand on it, and it's thrown over. And we've seen that so often. I know it happened up in Finn Park. And he's probably been the main reason in terms of why Sligo are doing as well as they are. John Mahan has also been very impressive. And, of course, Greg Bulger has been getting plaudits all over the place, as well as Gibson's couple of goals at the other end. But I think those four have been key to Sligo's success this year and I think like we look at the loss of Gary Buckley you can only see how much they've dropped off when Buckley's left Shane Blaney he came in this year with a big reputation hasn't really played that much and when he has hasn't really set the world alight I think it's fair to say and um, one there was a bit of a calamitous moment in the game last night where he knocked the ball out of now it was it was kind of accidentally, might have been pushed into McGinty, but between the two of them, the ball slipped out of McGinty's grasp when he collided with Blaney. And it's it's one of those things where you're kind of like, oh, that's where other teams are conceding goals. Sligo got away with it. But um, if their luck turns and, and pick up another couple of injuries, they're such a threadbare squad. I'd really worry for them in Europe in particular. Yeah, no, definitely. I, like Shane Blaney is a difficult one. He, he came in against Drogheda and I thought he probably was... at. I wouldn't say at fault for the for the two goals, but his positioning caught him out. Um, not taking that away from that strike from Chris Lyon that night. But yeah, last night, look at it, it was the deflection, uh, the big empty in the end. Um, yeah. But I thought like Walter, Walter should have closed the man down fairly uh, quicker, and I think you could probably see Greg Bowles are running over towards him when the ball got in, probably screaming at him, "Why haven't you closed the ball down?" You know. You're, you're, you're talking, you're in the dying minute, you know, you're last few minutes of the game, sprint over, throw your whole body on the line. Instead, allowed, allowed to get strike, deflected across. A silly, sloppy goal to concede, but, yeah, but, as we said, injuries are going to be costly. Rovers are going to have to get uh, players in and bodies in uh, soon. And they strike, I think, the need a failure. And we thought they had loads of defenders, but they're struggling now in them areas. So, yeah, they signed three or four central defenders. They signed three or four central defenders to start of the season, and now they can't seem to find that uh, too. Uh, in terms of that, I just thought there was one incident late in the game where Akintunde came in and challenged a ball that should have been Blaney's the entire game, and he just got pushed off 
very easily on the edge of his own box. And McGinty saved everyone's blushes with a, with a great save. But just that didn't look great, you know, in terms of that. I think he has shown some uh, bright spots. He's also been on the score sheet, which, of course, does help as well on the other end. Uh, in terms of that, that's the, the roundup of the games from the weekend uh, in, in total. Uh, it, with one exception, and that, of course, is probably the biggest game of the season, uh, domestically at least, it generates the most interest. That's the, the Dublin derby, Bowes and Shamrock Rovers, in Daily Mount last night, 1-0. I think most people fancied Rovers to win this one, but it didn't end up like that. Uh, a late Georgie Kelly strike uh, gave all three points to Bowes, and they kind of continue their resurgence. Yeah, I, I, I actually would have fancied, um, I know Bowes were in a bit of form, but I would have fancied Shams to win this because they were 10 points clear of Bowes. So that would have really eliminated Bowes out of any title challenge. Now they've given them a little bit of hope. It's brought, uh, I think it's brought back seven points now. So, um, you know, that's what we're talking about Shams there. They blow hot and cold, albeit a double derby. Look, we, we've seen it in the last couple of years where Bowes have been, Flying when Shams were Bowes were winning the games when Shams were flying in the league, and, and then vice versa the last couple of years. But um, Georgie Kelly again find a great finish, great turn, um, you know, into the one corner. And uh, I suppose as Derby's go, he'd be, he'd be the hero up there for a while. But uh, as I said, Shams, I thought, you know, possibly could have should have won the game and said, you know, put out a stamp and saying, that's it, Bowes, you're, you're gone. Um, next up for the challenge, you know. So, um, Bowes are flying at the minute. Uh, Kit Long has probably happy that the break came when it came and has the back. Uh, I think that how many have they scored now since they've come back? Um, so they face a trip to, to yeah, they face a trip to Sligo on Saturday night. So that will be an interesting one. Yeah, I was going to try and check here uh, off screen, but um, I don't have the time <laughs> to look it up before we get on to it. We might just jump straight into the first division roundup of the weekend. Just we'll quickly give you the, the scores in the five games. Um, in terms of those games, Cove Ramblers and Treaty played on Saturday evening. That was a 2-0 victory for Treaty United. Galway United, uh, they beat Cavantini 1-0 on Friday, while Cork City... Uh, they finally kind of picked up a few points, 2-0 away to Athlone Town. Shells won again in Wexford, a fantastic result for them. While Bray Wanderers, they opened up a 4-0 victory against UCD. Uh, somewhat of a surprise there. Any of those games uh, strike you as... Because uh, like Athlone had been in, in fine form up to that, Cork less so. Some big surprises over the weekend in the first division. Yeah, and I suppose I suppose over the weekend there has been surprises, but three are they ever going to stop? Like you know, they're they're absolutely flying it. You know, second in the table. Uh, I suppose there's no point us talking about shells anymore because we must just give them the title. So I'm more interested in the I suppose the playoff spots. But I suppose Go United got a good win. They're in the playoff spots, but um, I was surprised. I thought that loan would be Cork, but now Cork seem to be coming into uh, getting back to. That we kind of, uh, I suppose, associate with. Um, but look, we've said how many times in this show, Breffney, that that first division is probably it's going to be really exciting down to the, the last game of the season. I think I, uh, it's very topsy turvy. Anytime you look at it and you go, geez, they're out of the playoffs. How are they out of the playoffs? The last time I seen them, they were third. Now they're, you know, so it's it's it's, it's great. It's, uh, it's great for the first division because it's delighted to see some sort of competitiveness down there um, in the last year or two. Yeah, I just did a quick count. It's 15 goals in five games for Bohemians. Uh, that's a, an impressive tally by any stretch, especially considering uh, how many of them were against top sides. Shamrock Rovers in those results also Dundalk in there too. So uh, plenty of big, big scalps as they progress up that table. Um, we might as well jump on to the interview. And we have sat down earlier in the day to chat to the Drogheda United manager, Tim Clancy, about how his season has been going so far. Now, one of the teams we've talked about plenty on the show this year in terms of their bright start to the season is last year's First Division champions, Drona United. Their manager joins us now. Tim Clancy, you're very welcome to the programme. Thanks for having me on, lads. Tim, it's been a whirlwind of a season for Drogheda. A great start the first night. You kind of won a well against Waterford. And since then, things have pretty much gone your way. Uh, you're in a very healthy position coming into, I suppose, the halfway point of the season this weekend. 
yeah, um, obviously the concern when you get promoted division is uh, staying in the staying in the league for the for the first time up in the in the Premier Division, and we put ourselves in a good position now where we're probably a bit ahead of where we thought we'd be um, and we planned to be. But um, listen, we were quite confident with the young lads in the squad that we have, good young players, and then being able to bring in the little bit of experience that we have to, to sort of help them along. And in the difficult periods and difficult games um, that we've experienced, that I think the lads that have the the experience of being in the Premier Division, they, they can guide the young lads along. And um, I suppose the last two games we've had against Bowes and beat 5 0 on Friday and then losing last night to, to Dundalk 1 0. Um, we're in one of them periods now and we've another difficult one on Friday night against Rovers. So it's um it's the periods like this now that the experienced lads will will, will really help out. And Tim, uh, you know, you spoke there about your getting the, the experienced lads in with you. I've seen you last year a couple of times. I thought I thought have the team playing you know, we spoke to Connor Ho Hoey at the start of the at the start of the season. I said you had the team playing really good football. Uh, you added like a Dan Massey, um, you had uh, who else? Ronan Murray. Ronan Murray. You've got that experience of the, yeah, with a good blend of of young lads. But I spoke today in there. I think I, it was after the Sligo Rovers game. You, you absolutely, you know, I thought you were superb that night. Um, but it's consistency is your problem. Would that be uh, an issue for you? Say like. You know, you, you, uh, frustrating for you as a manager. You've had such a good performance, and then go to Friday, you get you get beat five 0 You know, uh, you know, would that be a thing for you? With consistency, especially with having a lot of young lads. Yeah, um, consistently we haven't been too bad. The previously, I think the games that we struggled in were the third game in a in a week. Uh, must be in part time and. Um, a lot of lads will have jobs and like Chrissy Lines is out as a postman. He's out at five o'clock in the morning and he finishes at maybe one or two in the day and he gets home and has a little bit of rest and you're expecting him to put a shift in against the best players in the country. Um, and that was our, was our sort of stumbling block in, in, in the first uh, period of games. And then obviously on Friday night against Bowes, listen, they were just a lot better than us. Uh, their movement, the, the legs they had in the middle of the pitch, Georgie Kelly was on fire up top. And that's the first game that we weren't really in it, like weren't really competitive in. Um, there was a bit of a difference in class between the two teams and that was a little bit frustrating. But even in the defeat last night um, against Dundalk, I felt that we were every bit as good as them. And um, the goal we conceded was avoidable. And I think it's a little period now at the minute where we're making mistakes and the opposition are getting goals from it. Um, whereas when we made mistakes earlier on the season, we might have got away with it. So um, we spoke briefly after the game about maybe eliminating the opportunity for teams to, to, to score and just playing the percentages and not not taking any chances and um until we see this little little uh period out but um yeah listen again consistency will be will be tested with especially the young lads who are having their first real season in the in the premier division and there is a difference in uh in step up from the first division in quality and in fitness and professionalism and know-how and everything else and uh listen every game's an experience for them and they're gaining for it you did start that signature process at the end of last season very quickly. You were probably first out of the gate in terms of re-signing well over maybe 14 or 15 players from last year's squad that won the first division. Traditionally, that hasn't ended well for clubs, but you put a lot of faith in that, that core of, the, of that team. And then you brought in a couple of those extra guys. I know uh, Alan mentioned the likes of Dan Massey and Ronan Murray, but there's also Colin McCabe. Has it been in there, although he hasn't? Been in the team recently, and then uh, you've also got Gary Deegan at centre midfield. You really have brought in maybe four or five really specific players, uh, Darren Markey as well, who've come in to add that little bit of steel to what was a decent side last year. Um, how confident were you when you were going through that and re-signing a lot of players from last season with, with just that first division experience that they would be able to step up to the mark? Yeah, well. The ones that we, we sort of re-signed, and it's it's not by default, it's by design. The last uh, Over the last three previous seasons, myself and Kev have sat down and we've looked at uh, the makeup of the squad. And listen, if you had a look at this maybe three years ago, there would have been lads all different shapes and sizes and fitness levels. Um, and now by the end of last season, the majority of the lads that are playing every week were, were athletes. And that's you need that. Um a lot of the lads, like I know they're young and they're inexperienced in the Premier Division, but Mark Doyle and Connor Kane have played 120 odd games for the club now at this stage. Um, 
Jimmy Brown's playing every week as well and very fit. And listen, we recruited Dan O'Reilly as well, who's got experience in the Premier Division. But a lot of lads are personal trainers and have got um, sort of jobs in the fitness industry as well, where they look after their bodies. And that's something that we consciously looked at is the, is the fitness levels. And we were quite confident then because we knew they were quite mobile and fit and honest and also talented as well. Um, and they knew how me and Kev want us to play. So we're signing back a lot of them. Um, probably less of less of an issue because they knew how we wanted to play and they were used to our system and then bringing in the experienced lads like as you mentioned there you, you've Dane at the back you've Dan O'Reilly who's got a bit of experience we brought in Diga um, Dara Markey we brought in Dinny Corcoran um, brought in a good few like Holly McCabe as you mentioned as well so and a lot of lads we brought in are the ones that with a lot of experience as well and listen because they have the experience they're, they're, they're used to adapting to different formations and styles of play and systems and that's why it's probably been a little bit of a easier transition than if we had to recruit a lot of good young players and coming into the start of the year obviously you probably you as a player before you probably secretly had you're not just coming into the premier league just to to fight relegation because you could see the way you set up your teams, the way you had them playing. But was that the main thing for, for Drogheda, is just consolidate yourself back in the Premier Division and then take it from there? Because, as I said, you've taken off really, really well. But you look at Finn Harps now, how quickly that can change within the league and how because the league is so small. Yeah, that's it, Keenan. You know yourself that um, there's a lot, of, a lot of teams in the league that can um, beat each other. And I think it's a, it's a weird league this year. I was talking to... Uh, Russell today actually funny enough John Russell and he was saying it is a mad league that teams are going on runs and then they'll have a little bad patch and then another team will fly forward with a run and that was probably us there when we beat Sligo we won five out of six and then we come up against Bowes who had a really poor start to the season in uh, Bowes standards and now it looks like they're they're humming along nicely now so um, they seem to be in a bit of a patch now and obviously ourselves and Finn Harp started the season really well and it looks now that like Waterford have turned the corner. They've won two of the last three and two great results. And um, it's one of them leagues that a lot of teams can beat beat each other. And even though uh, when we got promoted, the, the the aim obviously was to stay in the division. And I think we just put a marker out to try and be competitive in every single game. And up until Friday night there out in uh, Daly Mount, we were. And even last night losing one 0 we were still competitive and right until the last kick of the ball in the fourth minute of injury time, we're still trying to score. So um, that's that's it. And that's, that's that's sort of what the target was. And people might have got ahead of themselves then when they seen that we were sitting in fourth place at the break. And listen, I knew that, that Bowes were underachieving and I knew that Derry um, obviously changed manager and uh, Rory's gone in there and listen, he's turned the corner. They were bottom of the league when he went in, I think it was, in seven points. And now they're 22 points and they're, what is it, 16 or 14 points ahead of the bottom of the league. So it shows the turnaround that uh, Higgy's had up there. Yeah. And then you look at Stevie at Pats as well, has them top of the league now going into the halfway mark. So I still think that uh, Shamrock Rovers are um, probably ticking along in first gear and you're, you're expecting now to any, any minute to hit, yeah. hit second, third, fourth and even fifth gear. And maybe, listen, hopefully it's not Friday night anyway to do it, but um, it might be a case that they mightn't click into gear and that gives an opportunity for, for Sligo or for Bowes or Pats or probably a bit further back for, for anyone else to have a go at them. But um yeah, it's 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 listen, it's a it's a it's a strange league this year that there's no two teams running away with it, there's no one team running away with it, and everyone seems to be beating each other. So if we can pick up a healthy, healthy amount of points each round of games, um it should see us all right. Do the woes at, at Waterford and Longford over the, the half of the season that's been played so far make it a little bit easier? The fact that you are you have that bit of a gap back to that relegation zone, 15 or 16 points back to Waterford, another four or five back to, to Longford. Um, can you start looking at those kind of positions, maybe third or fourth place as, as, as dreamland situations? Or are you still maybe that one eye on making sure you don't get sucked back in, like Alan said, Harps kind of have a little bit? Yeah, I think I think like listen, you use the phrase there, dreamland. I think that if we finish anywhere near a European place, it would be like it'd be madness. Um, from where we're at, and again, it's the small squad that we have. Um, most teams are probably looking to strengthen in the window here, and if we can get one player in, it'll, it'll be it'll be an achievement for us. Um, it's very hard at the position we're in because 
you'd love to kick on, but I think for us to improve our squad, we probably have to take a player from one of the full-time teams and very, very few players that are doing well will, will leave full-time football to go part-time um, unless they're at an end of their career where they're starting to think of, of, of retirement and post-football and or else they're a young lad looking for an opportunity. So that's sort of the club where Drogheda are at the minute. Um, so for us, like, listen, we are, we're looking at staying up and then at the end of each round of the games, we'll have a look going, right, where are we and what, what can we achieve next round of games? And then it'll go into the last nine games of the season and that's when you'll start to battle it out for where you'll probably finish. Um, but until we get to game 27 or so, we won't be, we won't be looking higher, we'll be looking lower more or less. And Tim, uh, for yourself personally, uh, stepping away from, I suppose, the football management, you're still relatively long, young. Uh, when you look within the league, you have Bradley, you know, Stevie O'Donnell, yourself, all these young, and Rory Higgins, to an extent, you're all young up-and-coming coaches. Um, did you find that difficult, that transition? Uh, we spoke to Stevie, and, you know, when you went to train, and you still want to be part of it, but you're, now you're on the other side. Did you find that difficult, or how was this? Smooth enough for you. Um, yeah, I because I went in the, to the first division and I think they wanted me to go in as a player manager first, and I didn't want to do that. I wanted to separate myself completely from it. Um, I I, I dip in and out, and if there's not number in training, but the competitive side he gets ignited again, and you sort of might think, you know, maybe I'll play, but I don't think you can do both. Um, so I have sort of separated that now and. Um, listen, I, I, I've, I've had a lot different approach than what Higgy's been throwing in the deep end of Derry and Stevie's gone straight into a big, big job and Stephen Bradley took over at Rovers, which is a huge club in the, in, in the country. So um, I'm a little bit different. Right? I got to cut my teeth in the first division where you go unnoticed and you can make mistakes and get the experience. And again, I don't know what how many games we're under a belt now, but I think we're well over 100 now, myself and Kev have at Drogheda. So I've had a good, good period of time there to make mistakes and um, learn and, and, and get results and I've had a good chairman there as well um, that understands the process that it's not going to be overnight and to sustain uh, sustain something um, for the club it's not going to be fire money at it it's, it's literally the, the model we have at the minute is try and get the best young players that we can and develop them and then if they get bought or go on to bigger and better things so be it um, it, won't, it won't put the club in jeopardy going forward and um, the transition from playing then is, listen, I still do miss it every now and again. That's going away each time I see how fit teams are now and how quick strikers and wingers are. So, um, But the games where tackles are flying in and it's heated and there's very little in it, they're the ones that you still you still get up for. And It's a different it's a different sort of uh, enjoyment you get in, in, in management. It's the pressure, the intensity, the you don't get a minute to think. And then when the final whistle goes and you've got to win it's it's just absolute joy but that's gone as soon as the team talk and the debrief after the game is is finished you start thinking about the next game and the players will go home in the bus and they'll enjoy it and whatnot but we have to straight away plan for for the next game and the 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 highs last very short times and the the lows sort of hang around for a bit longer and that's that's more or less what management is tim you talked about the kind of the the getting the, the ground in under you in the first division for a couple of seasons. In, in terms of, I suppose, that relationship with the chairman and, and the relationship with the club board, how important is it to know you have their support as a manager? Because um, I, I would imagine it's very difficult going into a job if you know that maybe people have gone on for you as well. And we hear about it in clubs, left, right, centre, fans turn on a manager's back. It's happened against your opponents last night where the last two or three incumbents in that, in that position have been almost forced out of the job. Uh, the fact that you have the support of the fans, the support of the, of the board, and they understand the process of rebuilding a club, how much, not that it's a simple job, but how much easier does it make that that job that you have to turn around the fortunes of a club like Drogheda and bring them back to the, the middle, to the top of the top tier in the country again? Yeah, well, that, that was the that was the task when we when we took over and um, the budget was cut when we went down to the first division. and. Um, there was ambition to go back up, but they said that the club wasn't in a position um, to probably go back up and compete. So there was a longer plan there. And once once the the, the vision from the from the board and the chairman and the management and the players is all the same, and it's not 
disconnected where one thinks they should be doing this and the other thinks they should be doing that. Um, I think that's vital and, and everyone at Drogheda is sort of, we know exactly what we're capable of and, and, and what the what the goals we are that we've set. And um, once that doesn't get diluted and, and you don't get, uh, you don't get sort of a disconnection in, in regards to the chairman wants this and the, we might think, no, we're, we're not capable of that or, or vice versa, or we think that we should be pushing on and the club are financially not able to invest more. And once that, once everyone's reading off the same hymn sheet, it's it's more or less um, a healthy, a healthy relationship. And that's what we have at Drogheda. Myself and Kevin, the players, um, have a very close relationship and, and it's very close as well to a lot of the board members and the fans that we have um, are very, very supportive as well. And I think they understand the, the situation that we're not a Dundalk where we're, throwing a couple of million at it a year and um, players on huge wages and, and whatnot. So what, what they're seeing is uh, every one of our players give every, everything they possibly can and it's um, and that's sort of pleasing for them and it's obviously pleasing for us to have the backing as well. Yeah, there was, I, I seen on Twitter, Tim, a couple of uh, draft fans were getting a bit worried when the Dundalk position became available and I think a lot of people were saying that they should go for you and you're only down the road and it'll be great for an upcoming manager, but I'm sure they were delighted when they first got, got the job that you they knew that you were saying. But uh, it would definitely be a position that I thought that they would have gone for you, you know, with the, with the performance that you had put in, but I suppose a relief for, for all the fans up there. Yeah, listen, again, when, when jobs come up and this is, uh, it's, it's a strange one because... Um, you have to be respectful because fans are going to be a fan of the club forever and the players and uh, the managers and the coaching staff are going to be a part of that and it's brilliant to be a part of it for the time that they're actually at the club whether they leave or get sacked or whatever else and um, then the next manager comes in and, and, and the previous one's forgotten about and players the same way um, you'll have club legends that move on and then the, the new guys are the, are the new legends of the club and um, that's what it is. Like it's, it's it's my profession. It's the only thing that I've known since I left school at eighteen years of age. The turn of the millennium, nearly there, two thousand and two, and I've been involved in football since then. And and listen, I'm I'm hoping that I'm uh, be able to get another extended career as the same length as me playing and possibly longer as in management. Um, so when that when opportunities do come up, uh, whether it be a Drogheda, hopefully we can put structures in place because there is plans to go full time. And um, once I've done it. A slow pace, and we don't jump into it. That we, we, we make a mess of it. Uh, then it'll be brilliant to develop the, the club and keep going. And uh, otherwise, if, if opportunities came up abroad, whatever else, it's definitely something that I'd look at because um, it's 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 what I've known as I said since I was eighteen, since I left school, and that's the the industry I'm involved in, and I know how cutthroat it is. So if opportunities do come up, I'll certainly look at them. But um, it'll have to be a decent and the right one to get me away from the job I'm in because um, we love it here at Drogheda. The relationship with, as you said, with the board is brilliant and got a great group of players and uh, the fans are right behind us and success for us mightn't be the same success that it would be for uh, Shamrock Rovers or Dundalk or Pats, but um, we'd like to build on it and each year then take a step closer to them teams and if we can keep doing that then um, I'd be delighted to stay. Yeah, I know we had Conor Hoy on the show early on in the season ahead of like, a ball being kicked at all and he talked about how he thought he had some of the best players in the league at his club um i think you've shown that on their night anyone at the team can compete with anyone in any position across the league and i think i'm looking forward to seeing where drahada finish up this season i'm not going to curse you but if i had to pick a team for an outside bet for the fai cup i'd be putting your name i'd be hoping to get your name out of the draw uh, so europe could still be there and uh, there's a man who knows all about winning fai cups i'm sure he'll give you a few pointers if you have a shout out but listen tim it's been a pleasure having you on the show Thanks very much. The best of luck against Rovers on uh, Friday night and uh, on to the rest of the season. Uh, I know Longford and Finn Harps and Longford to follow after that in the coming weeks. So things get a little bit easier, at least on paper, over the next few weeks. Thanks very much for dropping in and chatting No problem, Cheers, Thanks so many for having me on. Cheers, guys. I actually really enjoyed that interview, Alan. Um, Tim Clancy, he's had a a whirlwind couple of years at Drogheda. They've steadied the ship. They've brought them back up last year. And they really have been impressive this season. Um, I know you played with Tim in your last couple of seasons at Sligo. What did you think of uh, what he's done in Drogheda? Uh, look, at it's, it's, uh, it's no secret. 
But I, I think he's done a phenomenal job uh, from from watching his games in the first division with Drada to taking it into the Premier Division. Um, I was looking forward to watching him in the Premier Division to see what he changed and do this. You know, certain teams come in and managers come in and they change their system just to out of nervousness. Tim, Tim just goes, this is it. We're going to play in football. And you know, I always knew even the time at Sligo, I always knew it was going to be... Um, going to go on to, to manage a team and uh, he uh, he always had that kind of about him uh, even from training the way he kind of like managed the trainings and stuff like that but uh, you know speaking to him it's great to chat to him and I'm sure his ambitions like like any player or manager he'll want to go across the border he'll want to test himself possibly in the championship if not the premiership uh, look he'll know himself and I suppose from being across the playing across the water with the likes of Kilmarnock Hibbs and Muddell he might get an opportunity in the Scottish Scottish league, um, you know. So uh, all the best to him, and I think he's done an excellent job and brought Drogheda back to the Premier Division, and he has to be commended for that. I think Drogheda will be more than happy to keep him as long as they possibly can in the Premier Division here in Ireland. They, of course, face a big battle on Friday night. They go to Tala. They face Shamrock Rovers. Um, can they get anything out of that game? Look, it's a funny, funny one. I said at the time there, the consistency. It is is uh is a tough one for him, but look, Shams would be wounded. Uh, Drahad a part time three games a week. It's gonna be a big ask. But these are the games when you least expect Drahada. They can bounce back and they could put in a you know a serious performance. Uh, do I see them getting the win? Oh, it's gonna be difficult. I think Shams will need to start up in the gear now, especially coming into the European season, and I think they might uh. They might win this one on Friday night. Pats, of course, top of the league at the moment. They travel to the RIC, Waterford and Mark Bircham. A new look, Waterford, reasonably on form in recent weeks. They'll take a lot of heart from that victory over Longford. It's given them a tiny little bit of breathing room at the bottom of the table. Can they stop Pats from steamrolling through them on Friday night? Well, Stephen O'Donnell definitely be have his, his troops in and be saying, do not take this game likely because on paper Pats win easy that's that's on paper but I'm telling you now Stephen O'Donnell won't want these players getting complacent because when you're top of that table there's absolutely no pressure whatsoever in Waterford they're already expected to get beat and I guarantee you Mark Bircham is in that dressing room he'd be telling them lads everyone's no one's giving you a chance no one thinks you're going to win you think they think you're going to relegate it these lads are coming down they're just going to roll you over and that'll be his motivation and I think it will be a difficult night for, for St. Pat's and if they're really serious about challenging Shamrock Rovers, these are games they, they, they'll need to win. Yeah, and then I suppose uh, Oriel Park is the, the master and the apprentice or maybe the apprentice and the apprentice's apprentice. Not quite sure what role they fill, but 12 months ago, both of these would have been in the dugout for Dundalk. Uh, Vinny has left to come back. Rory's been to Ireland and come back to Derry City. Um, Derry and, and Dundalk on Friday evening, it's got all of the kind of the, the undertones and stories running through it. How do you see it going? Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one. Obviously, uh, Vinny has steadied the shift since he's come in with a draw and a win. Uh, it was a big one last night to be there. I suppose they're, they're uh, local rivals in Drogheda. Uh, as we touched on, Rory has has Derry, uh, you know, eight, I think it's, as I said, eight or nine, I stand to be corrected. But um, Vinny is unbeaten since he come back. Rory is on on a run. It'll be, inter- it'll be interesting. I possibly could see a, a draw here in this one. Okay, you're going to sit firmly on the fence for that one. Uh, Finn Harps and Longford. Harps, as you mentioned, on a bit of a downward trajectory at the moment. They'll see this as an opportunity against bottom side Longford. Equally, Dara Doyle's men be looking at maybe a scalp. They can drag themselves back into that relegation battle. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Finn Harps will look at this. To, not only as a... It won't be easy because we know how dug it uh, and how determined the likes of uh, Longford are but the reason it's a massive one for both sides is if the Harps can win they pull themselves clear of that automatic top zone and it, for, for Longford if they lose it's just it's just another team gone further away from them so it's a massive massive game and one that I see Ben Harps with the experience that they have from being in the Premier Division and from being in situations like this, I think Van Harps will have too much for Longford's confidence in the camp is not great. 
Yeah, in fact, I'm just checking here. Uh, Derry have only lost, I think, once since that game against Shamrock Rovers back in April. Um, and since Roy took over um, once, and that's against Finn Harps in that game a couple of weeks ago, that first win for Finn Harps in the Brandon. I hadn't actually realised they were on that kind of run. So it's it's one one defeat in maybe 12 or 13 games. So, um, yeah, no reason why they can't continue to build on that. I think I think the, the league table has always been a little bit low for them. They've They've always been better than what the league table would suggest this season. The final game of the, the weekend, of course, though, does come in the showgrounds, and that's Sligo Rovers and Bohemians. Bohemians on that crest of a wave. Sligo Rovers, they really do need to uh, pull out a performance here and get a result to, to stop that potential slide, because if they lose on, on Saturday evening, it leaves them just two points ahead of Bowes with everybody else closing in behind them as well. A win could put them back at top of the table. See, that, 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 that's exactly, that's why I'm really looking forward to this game because it's, again, um, and the league, in fairness, all year has been like that. If Bowles win, they go close the gap to two points. You look a couple of weeks ago, Sligo Rovers were way ahead of them, you know, and I thought, like, they're not, you know, you can't get caught. A win for, for, for Rovers can push them top of the table, and that's how, uh, albeit, I'd rather results go their way. And um, it's, it's a funny old league. It's going to be, it's going to be a tough, tough game. It's going to be a tough game for, for Rovers. I don't know. It'll be all interesting to see on the team news um, who's fit, but it's awful hard with the form that they're in to look past Bowes for this one. Now, of course, round 13 of the First Division also takes place this weekend. Five games in total, four on Friday, one on Saturday evening, and we'll take a little quick run through them. So, in a word, we've run out of time, unfortunately, uh, Apologies to fans of the First Division. We will get a bit more focus in the coming weeks. But, Alan, we might run through this as quickly as we can. So, in a word, Athlone versus Bray, how do you think that game's going to go? Uh, I think Athlone will win this one. Shells and Cork City, always a mouthwatering tie. Uh, bit of a difference this year. Both teams uh, at different ends of the table. Uh, Shells, for me, I just think they're they're, they're on, a, a, on a roll. This might have been different a couple of months ago, but Cabantilli and UCD... How do you think that's going to play out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit interesting. But I think UCD, uh, Cavantini, a bit of form, but I think UCD, I think, will we'll, we'll nick it. I'm interested on that one because I think UCD up to about four or five weeks ago were on fire, and now they can't seem to buy a goal, never mind a win. Would that really change from the personnel? Um, have we entered that June period when UCD struggle, or are maybe our players looking at that? Transfer window, come to the end of their college careers, maybe looking at alternatives. Uh, could we see UCD losing a couple of those players for the second half of the season? Yeah, I think exams might be over now, so they might have a bit of a, a stress, a stress-free time and, and it'll be gone, like playing a game of football. But as you said, some of them are probably looking for moves. But yeah, I think UCD, they're inconsistent at times, but when they do turn it on, they're very good. Yeah, they're very, very impressive. Of course, the battle out west, Treaty United and Galway United. There's a couple of players who know each other very well involved in this. It's going to be an interesting battle, but Treaty have been the surprise package of the First Division this year. Um, and really, it's, it's. I think it's going to be probably the game of the weekend in the First Division. Yeah, I think this is definitely going to be the game. And, you know, as you said, Treaty, uh, we said earlier that Treaty are absolutely flying it. And um, this is going to be a really difficult Galway. They are in a bit of form, but again, you don't know what you're getting with them. Um, so for me, it's I think Treaty are just on form. I I, I think Treaty could just nick this one by the by a single goal. Yeah, of course, Treaty second in the league, but a goal with victory could put them into second place, depending on how results go. It's been a big turnaround for John Caulfield's men, but as we remember from last season, they finished strong that last year. Um, I expect them, I don't expect anyone to come within an ass row of shells, but I think Galway will be there or thereabouts. Final game of the weekend is Saturday evening in St. Coma's Park in Park in Cove, Cove Ramblers and Wexford FC. Um can you see anybody with Cove winning this? I, I just can't see Wexford. They've really, really struggled this season. Yeah, Wexford really have. It's, it's, it's a shame, you know. Um, it's Look, as we said before, it's difficult, like, you know, down where you are in Wexford to get players in, but it's hard to see anything past a, a Cove win in this one. Yeah, and finally, I suppose the draws for the European ties were done since we had you on the show last. Okay. Uh, your own two former clubs, I suppose we might chat about. Sligo Rovers, they face a trip to Iceland, so do Bohemians 
and Dundalk got what would seem to be a relatively straightforward tie away in Wales. Um, thoughts on the draw? Nice to be playing that level of opposition rather than the, the mid-European leagues. Yeah, because you're obviously, yeah, you, you, you gave yourself a bit of a chance um, in this, uh, I suppose, with the conference. But I think it's a really difficult one for Sligo Rovers. I, I really can't see them get through the round. Um, Bohemians, it's going to be tough. They're, they're tough sides, the Iceland. Uh, Dundalk, who knows? We, uh, say two, three years ago, we probably said Dundalk would have steamrolled. Um, you're going to Wales and winning easy enough. Uh, Shamrock Rovers, I think they got the best the uh, the, the the luck of the uh, of the draw because if they lose, they get a bye into the into the third is it the third third round of the Europa League. So uh, for them, I think it, the draw worked out wonders. Um, for Bowles and Sligo Rovers, I I said it, I tweeted, could they share a plane to 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 share the costs? But I'm not sure if that's uh, viable. But they both play on the same night in Iceland. And, I think it would be wouldn't be a bad idea. I'd love to see who's in charge of seat allocations on that particular charter if that ever did come to pass. Not the worst idea, not the worst idea at all. But Alan Kane, we've run out of time. Uh, we're way over time. But how good was Tim Clancy this evening? Thanks so much to Tim for joining us. Alan, as always, pleasure to have you with us this week. And uh, we'll be chatting to you again in two weeks' time. Cheers, Bradley. Chat to you then.